Blood and Spirit Productions is a proud sponsor of Unshackled Leadership, a lantern for Black women. Experience the power of family legacy. Start your family media collection today. Welcome to Unshackled Leadership, a lantern for Black women. This program is produced to help women of color in leadership move from their zone of excellence to their zone of genius by eliminating any false upper limits caused by race, gender, culture, or their own inner critic. This program is dedicated to the legacy of Harriet Tubman, who held a lantern in the dark for all of us. I'm your host, ICF Certified Executive Leadership Coach, Joya Jefferson-Nury. Welcome again to my podcast. For 60 years or more, women have been making a concerted effort to be seen and heard in corporate America. We've wanted our equal rights in the economy, in the society, and politically. We have suited up with this armor of being warriors, and we have made a consistent stride, here in the United States at least, toward achieving those goals, even though there is much more to do. But in doing so, have we suppressed our sexuality? Have we fallen into a trap that we cannot be powerful women and still be sexy? In my generation, showing up with a little cleavage showing and wearing a short skirt was a surefire way to derail your career. In order to get ahead, you had to hide your sexuality. The belief was if men saw you as a sexual being, they could not respect you as the CEO. Now, I know that's ridiculous, but we adhere to that rule. And in the bedroom, does this power of the C-suite suppress who you are in the bedroom? Can we be fully sexual and be the corporate leader? Can we switch off that button-down shirt and fully be present in our sensuality? And maybe, maybe we're always too tired to have sex with someone else or even ourselves. Our guest today is Cordelia Gaffer, and she says of herself, I am the ultimate joy goddess, a soul medicine woman guiding women to be multi-orgasmic. Cordelia, welcome to Unshackled Leadership. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. You know, before we go into the steps of our orgasm and breaking down our orgasm, let's address the issues I talked about in the intro. Are we climbing this ladder and leaving behind our sexuality? I would say that we definitely are suppressing our sexuality, beginning with suppressing our emotions. Right, because in, in order to experience um, your sexuality, you have to experience your body as having senses. And we're not allowing that part to happen in the first place. Why, do we, why are we doing that? Well, it's not professional to have feelings, right? And uh, in order to be successful, we have a lot of evidence that proves the times that we show up as ourselves fully with our emotions 
we have been dismissed or disregarded or um, shamed or harshly judged. Harshly judged. So is so are you saying that it's only one or the other? No, I'm, I'm saying that's the way it has been. That has been what we've observed as evidence. And it's not the truth. Mm -hmm. so, so how do I have both? How does a woman, our listeners, me, everybody, have our emotions so that we can be in touch with our sensualities and still have the work we do? Well, you get to enjoy your emotions in the simple things, right? We don't have to just rush from being a wall and the professional space to being <laughs> like um, a cheerleader, right? It begins at home, right? Who we are at home is who we get to be everywhere else. So when you're home, begin by allowing yourself to enjoy the fact that you're home, the feeling of being home, right? Let, let your guard down. Be in your softness. Explore what that is. That is such good advice for when I coach women, I call it sacred rest. But you're taking that one step further. There's sacred rest where I say you have a place on your calendar where that totally becomes you. You don't turn on your computer. You're not attached to your phone. It's the hot bath. It's the aromatherapy. It's the go get the massage. But you're taking that one step further in really being softer with yourself. Is that, what, is that right? Yeah, literally. As soon as you walk in your door, you get to be in your softness immediately because it's your home, your, your whole home is your sanctuary, right? Mm -hmm. So when you come in your door and you smell the beautiful scented candles or however you, um, you know, uh, put smell into the air in your home, you can just, <sighs> I'm yeah. home, I'm you home. know? Yeah. And even if you're greeted by children and a husband, you're Especially. still. Yeah. 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 So then for me, it's like not separate. I have six children, right? And so I love being greeted by my children because when they come in, they're smiling. They missed me. They want to give me hugs. Sometimes mm. they want to give me gifts, you know, like they drew something, they made something. And you don't and have it, any teenagers, do you? Oh, no, okay. I, I have I have teenagers. OK, I have young adults and I have little kids. OK, okay. and they're all very artistic. So, mm. you know, my actually my oldest daughter usually does my makeup and hair. So and she makes skin care products and hair care products. So sometimes she would have made me a hair care product. And mom, I was thinking about you today. And she makes like uh, perfumes, like roll-ons for me. So what she's like, perfect... I know that. Yeah. So it's like, it doesn't matter the age. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So you come home and you turn it off. You turn it off. So many women come home and they still have work to do. 
they still have to get back on the laptop. They still are answering emails at 930 at night. What's your advice for that? Boundaries. They don't have to. You don't have to do anything. The people that have to do things are called slaves. Well, that's poignant. Yeah. yeah. That's actually slaves or fear of failure or having no boundaries. So you move into a space where you now have boundaries and your home becomes this place where you say to work, to the people you work for, the people who work under you, that at X amount of time, I'm done. I'm done. I close the computer up. And that's hard when you're working at home. I've worked at home off and on for 20 years, at 23 years. And I have to say to myself, what time is the day over? And now it's at the end of the last client, which is around 6.30, three nights a week. I can't do anything else after that. I clean up the notes from the client and I close the computer and I leave the room. And even if I think of something that should be done, I put it into my asana in my project manager so that I know to do it tomorrow, but I don't get up and go do it now. I used to. I used to be a slave to that. And then it would be my bedtime and I had no break in between. So let's just say that the audience finds that space. You find that space. You walk into your door. You put on your aromatherapy. You put on the soft music you want or the favorite movie that makes you happy. And you do this. How does that help my sexuality? Well, you know, I feel like we jumped over a big, huge thing. Let's jump back. Um Let's, yeah, jump, let's back. jump back. And I'm gonna just gonna let you talk. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> let's jump so, back. There's a big huge part that we dropped we, we didn't mention there. So the, the the reason why we feel like we have to do stuff and the reason why we feel like we're gonna miss out on something or we're fearful that we won't get ahead is because we're in trauma drive. We're in we're in survival mode and we've been um we we've been taught and trained and conditioned and our nervous system is in such a state that it's like, I have to perform for love. I have to perform for success. I have to, you know, instead of, so you said, for example, that when I come home, I turn it off. I don't turn it on. You know, it's like, I'm, I just, I'm not on and I'm not off. I'm just me always because I work from a place of what would make me love this moment, right? So when you live from a place of what will make me love this moment, then you're always in your sensuality and your sexuality will come very natural when you're closest to the person that you love and you get, you get to be intimate with, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're married, or if you're, you know, whatever kind of relationship you're having, right? When you get to be with that person, you get to be with that person because you're always in the practice of being in your joy and your pleasure. I want to jump back a little further. You said you are you live in a space where you are always what would bring me what would make me love this moment? You're in a boardroom, you're at work, 
you're building a business and right now swirling around you is what you deem to be chaos. There is something that has gone wrong. There's somebody, there's some energy and you're standing there. What is that process by which you say to yourself, what would make me love this moment? So in that case, right, what's the why of the project that you're working on that's gone awry? So that would help you to pinpoint what would make you love this moment, right? Because in that moment, the first, why am I even doing this, right? Hmm. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like, oh, the joy of the why, right? Now, I, it's a whole different story if there's no joy to the why. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a, yeah. If there's no joy to the why, you know, or if the only joy to the why is money. You, that part, yeah. yeah. If, if it's just um, like, do I need the money that bad, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, is there any other way I can live? But, you know, if you're in a situation where... Um, let's say this question is foreign to you. It's like, an, I'm pretty sure there's someone listening and they're like, Cordelia, what are you even saying? Like, I don't know if there's anything that I love and why wouldn't you live for money, right? So for that person, <laughs> right? Yeah. You have a love for money, right? And if your observable evidence evidence is when I have enough money, I get to do these things, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And that's your why. And that's what make what would make you love that moment is if this project really excels, I'm going to make this amount of money, which means that I get to buy these things. Yeah. You, you can live in that world too. Yeah. Yeah. I had a, uh, um, I had a gig that I was miserable within the first six weeks. But my why was I wanted my daughter to graduate college without debt. Mm -hmm. So I had to make sure I could pay her tuition. I had to make sure that I put money away for retirement. So my why became the money, but not for its own sake. But I had these goals and I reached it. My daughter graduated with maybe $1,500 of debt. And that's all I, I wanted her to be free when she left school to go do what she wanted to do. So uh, I was very happy with that. So I get that. So you found the why, the why you could love this moment. Please proceed from there. Right. So once you reconnect with that why, it becomes a practice of slowing down how to categorically make that happen right and and so like the 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 dots of the matrix align you know all of a sudden the answers will come because when you're uh in a state of chaos you there is no clarity um but as you begin to love and enjoy what you're doing in every moment then once you come to, you know, you, you create clarity from that chaos. Mm -hmm. You get to celebrate, like stop, don't run to the next thing. The next thing is going to be there. 
you yeah. have observable observable evidence that it will be there. <laughs> it's gonna wait for you. <laughs> There's there's plenty more where that comes from, but you yes. know what? Like, yes. put your timer on for five minutes. I know that's a long time. Yes. But yes. for five minutes, you are going to celebrate. And that celebration can be, I'm going to make a few suggestions here, right? Mm -hmm. These are all embodiment practices. I am not going to tell you to breathe because that's an involuntary thing. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to breathe anyway. You're going to yeah. breathe anyway. Yeah. But I am going to tell you to move your body, right? Because when you celebrate, it's important to move two pieces, uh, two parts of your body in particular, your shoulders to get rid of everybody else's energy that you were just... Um, Shake it off. Yeah, holding, right? And, I, and don't just... You can just shake it off and then do your figure eight. With your to, shoulders. With your one shoulders. One back, the yeah, yes. next one back. The one back, the next one back. Yes. Yeah. And the importance of the figure eight is that's the kundalini energy. That's the flow in our mm. bodies, right? So you're you're getting your you're let going, let releasing others' energy and re reinvigorating your own. And for audience members who don't know Kundalini and or its origins, can you explain? Yes. Kundalini is, um, it really just means life force, but it's one of the forms of yoga. And um, yoga is an embodiment practice, which helps you to not only visualize, but meditate and actually embody um, your infinite self energy. Mm -hmm. Yes. And the other part of your body that you want to move is your hips because your hips are the, well, it's many things. I say it's the gateway between worlds and um, that's where your Lotus verse is. And as far as energy centers go, it is also where we hold on to um, <laughs> resentment, lack of financial support and um, safety. So you are realigning your own energy and reminding yourself that you're safe in your body. And so that's the celebration. And um, at the end of that, yes, breathe that in, receive that. So you celebrate after every victory, no matter how big or small. You take that moment and you naturally breathe. You shake it off. You do the affinity circle with your shoulders and then you also move your hips yes because that's where your lotus verse resides yes tell us you told me already but what is the lotus verse yeah so the lotus verse is you know there's so many there's scientific words and there's also lewd words out there for the female genitalia and i um just between my studies with tibetan tantra Taoism, and uh other body wisdoms, I, I fell across the word Lotus and I mm. thought, well, just like you have the universe, I, as a mother of six children, having had four home births, believe that it's a Lotus first because, um, it, it blooms and it rebirths over and over again. And it definitely is a passageway between the worlds. And that's whether you are birthing a child, uh, making a child, or uh, just 
in your own energy, you know? So a lot of times uh, women will say to me like, oh, well, I'm celibate or I'm, you know, not, I'm in a different stage of my life. Your Lotus verse is always speaking. It, it always has messages. And um, it's very important to be connected. And so if it's a new concept for you, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, I, I came up with uh, something and it was, I, I think it was mostly for me at that time. So three years ago, you know, I wrote a book called Detached Love, Transforming Your Heart so that you can transform your mind. And at the end of that book, I have what I call a sensuality grounding activity. And this is, I use the word self-pleasure there, which is different, right, from masturbation, because you're literally exploring yourself to find where you feel pleasure. Mm. Exploring yourself where you find pleasure. Does that sometimes end with masturbation? So there is no end. <sighs> Right. There's no climax. There's no def destination. Like even in our lives, this, this is like a, just like the subtitle of my book, it's transforming the way you think about pleasure. It's transforming the way you think about your body, your sensations, your sensuality, your sexuality, yourself. So see, I always felt that your sexuality is just the physical version of your spirituality. Right. So from that lens, when you're exploring your physical body and allowing yourself the permission to uh, experience pleasure in doing that. Right. Mm -hmm. Like intentionally choosing as you're listening to this podcast conversation to touch your thighs, just like you know, lightly caress the top skin of your thighs with your fingertips. Like, that's a whole different sensation. Maybe yeah. you just want to squeeze your knees or something like this, or just find other parts, you know, like the backs of your, your fingers, the, you know, the back of your hand. Or the nap of your neck. You just might, yes. something you can do while doing anything. While doing anything. Yeah. And it's, it can be, it's most of all an opportunity to allow yourself pleasure. Maybe that's what will calm you down before you go into the boardroom. It's just like, okay, I know there's a lot of chaos waiting for me, but what can I do to really love this moment? Yeah. You know, like what could charge you up? And then you can go in there in an orgasmic space, right? So you're already coming in with the clarity and just your energy being like that will affect the chaos because people are going to be like, what's going on with Joya? Why, where's your peace coming from? Yes. Yes. And they'll want to let, and they'll want to latch onto that. Yes. Yes. It yes. in fact makes you more powerful being in your softness is what I'm describing. Mm -hmm. I have found that to be true. I have found that to be true. When you are in your in this lotus verse, and I love the phrase, I love the word, I love the word, and you are softening yourself and loving yourself at all parts of the day. That has to make it 
I'm assuming that that would make it easier to walk in your door and really let go. Mm-hmm. Because you haven't, like you said earlier, you haven't really left it. Yeah. You've been finding a way to do it. It's a massage of your wrist and the palm of your hand. You're constantly loving yourself mm-hmm. during the day. That would also help you get rid of any false upper limits. Would you agree? I would agree. I mean, just think about the limitlessness you feel in your world when you're when you're feeling that limitless and free in your body, right? Yeah, yeah. So you walk different, you feel different, and people treat you different. Mm-hmm. Because like you said, right? They're like, where's mm. her peace coming from? Yeah, I want some of that. I like, want some of that. Right? Well, maybe she doesn't really understand what's going on. You know? <laughs> Like, is she all right? Like, yeah, yeah. what, what planet right. is she on? Right, and exactly. You live, in, you, you live in your lotus first. Yes, <laughs> you live in your lotus first. Do you know what we think of, you know, I was thinking of a title for the show, and I'm still thinking of it. I knew it would come to me. So when the audience sees, hears this, I will have already chosen this title. But I'm still choosing it as we're recording now. And I realized while we're talking, I couldn't figure out what the title would be. I was going to say sex is your superpower, sensuality is your superpower. And I was afraid it would relate to be sexy at the office with the other people, no matter what gender, and that way you can get ahead. But it's about be sexy, sensual with me. Mm -hmm. It's not about anybody else. Mm -mm. And as you said earlier, when I'm here in that place, my and I'm with my partner, then there's all these other benefits that come with it because I've been sensual all day. Mm-hmm. That is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I so actually never thought of that. That's how I got yeah. six kids. <laughs> Blood and Spirit Productions invites you to remember, honor, and share your family history for future generations. They will work with you to create a family media collection, including five-generation family portraits, family history workbooks, and coffee table books, making your family memories and legacy both accessible and beautiful. Call for a free consultation today. 229-329-2717. 229-329-2717. One seven. What has been the resistance as the women, when the women you've been working with, in the workshops, and all the talks? What has been the resistance? I mean, just like you're probably thinking right now, it's like, well, that isn't even possible because I have to, right? So listen to your own language as you're judging, you know, what we're saying, and you're probably thinking like, well, but what about when I have to, you know, show up in my all male <laughs> yeah. attire and yeah. environment? Yes. Yes. And what I would say is experiment with it. Mm-hmm. Life is an experiment and it, lend- and it offers you these amazing experiences, mm-hmm. right? The only thing keeping you away from having an an amazing experience of life is that you are not curious about it and you don't view it as an experiment. You you feel like you have to um, 
fit into somebody else's ideas of you. And I know, well, I'm, I'm going to say I used to feel like that, right? Mm -hmm. I talk about this in my book too, because it was like, I am a black woman, right? Mm -hmm. I'm short in stature, right? So there's a lot of things that are assumed already, you know, she's petite, she's weak, whatever. And, and she's black, right? So mm -hmm. In order to you have nothing going for you, right? <laughs> in the world, yeah. So, to make sure that people knew who I am, like when I showed up, I felt like I had to prove myself, mm -hmm. but eventually I let that go. Like, so in my replenish me process, the first thing is to release um, what is expected and accepted. So, if I release the idea that I'm expected to show up a certain way because I'm a short black woman right? Like quiet, meek, whatever, then I can show up like the way that I would love, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is the way I just described. And as a result of that, most often people are like, oh, where are you from? Like they're thinking she can't be black American, but they don't know that I'm otherworldly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they don't know how you escape the stereotypes because it's so ironclad. You must be this. And you elect it to be something else. And they don't understand how you figured that out. That happens a lot to us in, in general. Yeah, I want to go back to... Um, I lost my train of thought in listening to you there, but let's move on. Uh, I... Oh, showing up about showing up in that male universe. I went, I conducted a workshop on the silencing your inner critic um, for a conference of women of color from around the world. It was thrilling to be in that room. And all of these women are on the front lines of change in their country. I mean, really vocal front lines. And we talked about bringing femininity to politics. We talked about being women and the power of women and it, for two days. And on the third day, they had an exercise, which I didn't participate in, but it wasn't my exercise, but I wanted to see how it unfolded. And each one of them were assigned a country and each one of them was assigned a role, you know, prime minister, defense secretary, treasury secretary. And then they were given what their negotiation would be. And they had to interact with other, other, other countries. It was a training for being a political leader. And after two days of talking about the power of femininity, I sat and listened to these women as they were doing their roles of MP, Secretary of Defense, et cetera. And every one of them had all male energy. They were mean to each other and their and their private conversations within their country, like, we're not negotiating with them. I don't care what they need, and they're not coming across our border to do whatever. And like, okay, your people over here in a monsoon, but you don't want them to help. And they had this attitude that like somebody gave them ultimate power and they slipped into being men. And I couldn't say anything because it wasn't my workshop, because I wanted to stand up and go, what happened? What happened here? And I would like to talk about why we equate or and how we will shift power from being male energy 
Yeah, what you're describing is immature toxicity. I don't know that that's gender specific. I mean, because we do have little girls that are quite nasty. I have a nine-year-old, for example, and every time she changed her hair, they, you know, either called her a boy or, mm -hmm. you know, some other kind of derogatory term. So um, that's just immature toxicity, it sounds like to me. So to move away from that, again, begins with loving yourself because we treat others the way we treat ourselves. And, you know, the fact that our, uh, the, the other thing that comes to mind is the fact that we equate power with uh, diminishing the human rights of other people is again just a form of toxicity like who where did we get that narrative from why can we not negotiate with another set of human beings when we could help each other with resources that is not um that's not the way things were done before the patriarchy took over you know centuries ago when matriarchies were running the world and the empires. We used to know how to communicate and um, communication actually is a feminine quality and it's something that's promoted a lot in leadership, right? And development and people think, you know, communicating is a masculine thing, but it's not. It's a very feminine thing because when you truly communicate, that is the ultimate exchange, you know, like reciprocity of listening deeply, caring deeply, and then making an offer for the elevation of both souls and both goals. We live in this space, though, that says to us, we're, I'll give you an example. I have all of my clients are women of color. And when they're negotiating whatever, new project board, they again slip into this male energy because they think that's what's expected. And I'm constantly saying, do we not understand our own power, the feminine power, that we were born women? We have grown up with all the hormones, all of the tendons and curves that come with being a woman. And here in the United States, you can be a powerful woman. We tend to say that there's so much more to do and we should be able to do that. But if you look at the women around the world, this is a panacea. The United States is a panacea for women. Okay, so why don't we want are we unaware of our power or like, what's the answer here? Yeah, we're unaware of our power. And it's because we've been um, pretty much pulled out of our bodies. So everything that I'm saying is remind yourself all day long that you have a body. Be embodied. When you're embodied, then you are, you'll get those messages and be speaking from your lotus verse, Right which is the divine wisdom between worlds instead of from here. From the top you know? of your head. Yeah. Right. So I believe that we have four minds, right? Um, a lot of philosophies will acknowledge three, the brain, the heart, the stomach. And we're only allowing the stomach in because we've figured out that it has uh, control of our immunity. 
but it has more than that. It is like the ultimate transmuter and transmitter of neurons from your head all the way to your lotus verse, from your brain. Like, and so, um, but where what I find with the black woman I work with is that our hearts are locked. And it's the bottom of the heart that's locked. And when it and and that happens when we have these tra traumas in our childhood, right? Where we are adultified mm -hmm. as little girls, when we are objectified as teenagers, and um, when we are dismissed as adults in the workplace. So we just keep getting more and more conditioning and evidence to just lock up that heart. So we cut ourselves off from our own wisdom. And so little by little, we have to allow ourselves to open back up the, the bottom of our hearts so that we can let those divine um, messages come through. And so it, it is very simple, but it is not easy right? To um, release what's expected and accept it. But experiment with it. That's all I can offer is you to experiment with it. And we unlock the bottoms of our hearts in the way you described earlier in the conversation. We find a way to touch ourselves, to experience ourselves, to be embodied all day long. Yes. And not just working from the brain. Mm -hmm. mm. that could feel in that transition scary mm -hmm. so You're letting this, something go yeah well we don't have to be rubbing our thighs you know what i'm saying like you can just <laughs> squeeze your um, wrist your wrist actually yeah. if you squeeze all of the joints in your fingers mm -hmm. and your wrist like if you make that your practice, every time you get a headache or you're like, woe is me, this is too big of a problem, you know? And like, you can't even bring your lips to form a prayer. Yeah. Just don't use words. Just start squeezing your, your uh, joints in your fingers and your wrist. And that'll bring you back into your body. You know, when you first talked about this exercise, I took the tips of my fingernails and did them up and down my thigh from my knee as far up my thigh um, and then back. It was so soothing. And then on the outside up toward my hip, just the fingertips slowly going up and down, you know, and then I have this immense urge now to rub my feet. You know, it's like it just sort of it said, okay, my feet are like, me too. And it's just, just simple. I mean, I did it for like maybe 15 seconds and it made me be more relaxed and more in the now. So it doesn't have to be, you know, I mean, nobody's asking you to rub your thighs, as you said, but just the, the gentle touch so that you stay embodied. Um, I finding even in this interview, very, very soothing. Very soothing. Jenna, we talked about, I want to move on to orgasms. Mm -hmm. And you talked about being multi-orgasmic. Tell me, define orgasm and define multi-orgasmic, and then tell me how we get there. Sure. So and why we want to get there. Okay. <laughs> well... 
An orgasm is separate from ejaculation, which is the fluid that comes out of the body as a result of reaching a sexual climax. An orgasm is experiencing extreme, um, I guess I'm still going to use the word climax, but not necessarily from from sex, it could just be from pleasure. So for example, throughout this interview, I've been offering you ways to be embodied and feel this, the, enjoy the senses of your body. So you can, you could actually have an orgasm from the sensation of just feeling the pleasure of your body. Mm-hmm. And so there are multiple types of orgasms. So when I talk about being multi-orgasmic, I mean, it's a double entendre, right? So one, there's multiple ways to uh, um, experience an orgasm. And number two, you can have multiple of those kinds of orgasms, right? And so uh, most often, they only document, I think, up to seven orgasms, and they're all within the vaginal canal. But there are other orgasms outside of A spot, P spot, C spot, U spot, whatever spot, right? Mm -hmm. You may have felt something on your skin. So there's skin gasms. Have you ever really tasted something that was so delectable Mm -hmm. that you're having a mouthgasm, right? Mm -hmm. And have you Mm -hmm. ever met a man that is just so smart that talking to him gives you like a brain gas. Oh my you know? God. Like- yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and your, and your, and your, um, Lotus verse starts to respond yes. from this conversation. I have had that happen. Yes. 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 So you'll get moist in your Lotus verse from any mm-hmm. one of these things. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, like when, I remember I was like 14 and it was like my birthday and I was celebrating with my family and I love chocolate, right? So I had a chocolate cake for my birthday and this chocolate cake was so good that I was like, mmm, and I really made noise and my mom just looked over and she smiled and she says, is the chocolate cake good? And I was like, oh, yes, it is. And I was really wet and my underwear and I was like, what is "Hmm." this? So I didn't have that conversation at the table, but I did ask her about it later. (laughs) And so she filled me in on that. So I was fortunate. You know, my parents were adults. I'm the bonus blessing. So um, my mom was like 40 when I was born. So we had those conversations. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. I had those conversations. My mother was an adult. And she, she would initiate conversations from the age 10 up. At first, I was embarrassed. Like, what is she talking about? (laughs) But she wanted all information to come from her. Mm -hmm. All information to come from her. And she was wise to do that. It makes a difference. It really does. Yeah. And so why you want to be multi-orgasmic is when the body is, when you're embodied, right? And you're completely connected in your four minds, I say then your body can be self-healing and self-regulating and you Mm -hmm. won't have adrenal fatigue. You won't have diabetes, you know, Mm. or develop diabetes and things like that. Because a lot of times, you know, when you have adrenal fatigue, right? So you're already wearing down the body and then you are self-medicating, right? Because maybe you need the energy or maybe you just, you know, are trying to, uh, 
emotionally soothed, right? Mm -hmm. So then Mm -hmm. you will self-medicate with, uh, people really don't get this, but alcohol, right, has a lot of sugar in it. It's made Mm -hmm. from sugar. Mm -hmm. That's what slavery was all about. That's what the Sugar Islands was all about, to make alcohol, right? And so alcohol actually, not breast cancer, is the number one killer of black women because we self-medicate by drinking, you know? And so I have issue with the wine and wellness because it's like oxymoron. You can't do those two things. Mm-hmm. You, you're either going to be well mm-hmm. or you're going to W-H-I-N-E. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. anyway, you, you see what I'm saying? So when the body is working and when you're embodied, then you will take these, you know, I've already demonstrated in like the boardroom scenarios we were talking about, when you're slowing down your nervous system in these critical moments, in these stressful moments in our day, Mm -hmm. then your cortisol levels don't spike for Mm. you to have adrenal uh, uh, overload, right? Mm -hmm. And for you to develop thyroid problems because you're always in survival mode or you're always stressing your body out. And so I actually wrote an article. Um, and if you're subscribed to my LinkedIn newsletter, you're the poss- you are the possibility. You'll see one of the articles talks about multi-morbidity versus multi-orgasmic, right? So like we have these, um, we're, we're rushing ourselves towards death on a regular basis just by not allowing ourselves to slow down and call and self-soothing on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And all of the information for the audience, all of Cordelia's information is going to be here in the description um, when you watch, listen to this podcast, how you contact her, her, linked, your, her links to LinkedIn, et cetera. And um, I think from what I have read and I have, you know, I met, I met you and then it wasn't until I started really digging into your newsletter that I said, oh, she has to be on the podcast. Okay. <laughs> yes. So in this, in this conversation about sensuality, can we talk a little bit about sexuality? And mm-hmm. I'm saying, I'm calling that sexuality as in, I was of a generation that you didn't show your cleavage. And now I'm seeing that women everywhere are showing their cleavage. You know, nothing, it's not porno, but it's, their V-neck shirts, things are up. Tell me about that. What's that transition? What's it say about, in general, about them? Well, you know, first of all, I'm going to begin with women dress for themselves. They don't dress for everybody else. So um, I say that it says that they're comfortable with their bodies. They don't have body dysmorphia like vast majority of women that do, you know? So, um, <laughs> and I chose to become Muslim and for 22 of those years, I chose to cover, right? And as a Muslim woman, we're encouraged to cover our beauty, which is our hair and our decollete, 
you know, mm -hmm. in particular. And of course, you know, kind of make the clothes shapeless. So, you know, but it's, I, I do find challenges with that as a curvy black woman, you know? <laughs> so um, now I I don't cover my hair and sometimes I don't cover my decollete either. Um, in fact, I, I, I've worn a bikini for the first time. And so for me, after having six children and still being in a really good condition, I, for me, it's just like, I appreciate the journey that my body's been on and I, mm -hmm. I'm comfortable in it. And I don't think that, uh, anyone's qualified to judge anybody else on what I they love, choose to wear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Even in, even in the workplace, even in the workplace. And I'm not saying this is unattractive. It's just for me, uh, coming through that we must dress like men, men generation. Um, I am pleased like, wow, that skirt is short and it's a suit like, wow, this we're reshaping this whole thing. I love the fact that we're not doing, we're not doing so much to our hair for many of us. We're like, you have locks. I had locks for over 30 years. I decided to do this style because I never, I haven't done it. Like, what is this blow dry thing? And so oh. it's still not chemical, but I just like haven't done this. And in like 30, 35 years. And so, um, I I remember when Michelle Obama became first lady and she was never in a suit. She was in a skirt and a sweater, skirt and nice, you know, slacks. She met the queen in a skirt and a sweater and little ballet slippers, no heels, simple makeup. And people criticized her for that. I saw that photograph, Cordelia, I went to my closet and I chucked out every suit. Mm. <laughs> Just stop wearing that matchy, matchy Hillary Clinton look thing. Because you mm. say women dress for themselves. And I realized I wasn't dressing for me. I was mm. dressing for what I thought this job title would look mm. like. And I think it suppressed my sensuality because I was mimicking a man. And I was always in fields where I was the first woman or the first black person to do this. And it didn't allow me to spread my Lotus verse. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, clearly that's not true anymore, but, <laughs> but it never was true. That's it never, thing. it never was true. It never was true, you know, because, and here's my evidence. Mm -hmm. Have you ever heard of Josephine Baker? Oh, my God. Who hasn't? Have you ever heard of Eartha Kitt? Oh, my God. She was. And if you haven't, audience, pull out your phones. Okay. Josephine Baker, Eartha Kitt, very sexual beings and superstars in their yeah. generations. Yes. Yes. I mean, and Eartha I Kitt an, even had a had a, a kitten little growl to her yes yes <laughs> like talk how you want dress how you want you know like i wrote an article about them what uh going into 2017 i wrote an article seven women that will inspire you to rise this is also on my linkedin okay. newsletter like back in the day 
And so I, I chose seven women, Dorothy Dandridge, Lena Horne, Diane Carroll, all the, like, um, and there was another, there, anyway, there are two other women whose brain, whose uh, names are not coming up for me. Yeah. And so my point is like, it was so much harder for Lena Horne, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like that was 120 years ago when she came out. Something, yeah, something like feels that. Like right? it. Maybe, yeah, yeah. Well, maybe not quite. Maybe not, not in the 30s, but yeah, yeah. It was 80 years ago. Yeah. It was 80. Yeah. And so it was really, really, really hard. Right. But it was, oh, it was 100 years since Josephine Baker. Yeah. 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 So, and they were very feminine, very much in their softness and very, mm -hmm. there's no one that can tell me that they're not powerful. They were not oh, powerful. Oh no, women. Diane Carroll was one of my heroes growing up. I mean, literally I watched her career from the beginning. Um, and if you don't know who these women are, I urge you stop everything and Google them because, or go to Cordelia's LinkedIn article and hear about them and how we should admire them. You know, I have loved this conversation. I thoroughly loved this conversation. If you had one thing you wanted to say to the women listening to this about their sensuality, being embodied, what would you say? Allow yourself to feel. Don't spend another day numbing any part of you for any reason. That's beautiful. Cordelia Gaffer, thank you for being here on Unshackled Leadership, a lantern for black women, women, and I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation as I am now flexing my wrist, enjoying the movement of that joint for no good reason, just staying in touch with being embodied in myself. Uh, you are going to change how I do the podcast and every session I ever do with a client from now on. Yes. So, you're welcome. You're, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all very much for joining us again. We hope that you will subscribe and make comments so that we can grow and be better. We want to also hear that you liked it. We also want to hear what you want to see next on our show. Thanks again, Cordelia. You're welcome. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Unshackled Leadership, a lantern for black women. I hope you were inspired to make a change in your life. I want to acknowledge the outstanding work of my sound engineer, Chris Downing of Dream Life Media Group, graphic designer, Dominica Eldridge of Unique Creatives and Victoria Cook of Next Level Marketing. Our theme music is called Morning Thoughts. It is composed and performed by Hotham of HothamMusic.com, and we found it on SoundCloud. I'm Joya Jefferson-Nuri. I hope you will join me again.